How's it going, everybody? Welcome to episode 95 of TLDR Podcast. Um, I actually just had to open up the calendar, and it's pretty special because our 100th episode, guys, I will be a married man on our 100th episode. Ayo. So that the, the math kind of just worked out kind of perfect. So that's kind of cool. Um, and that, that's exciting. So we're five weeks away from, from hitting the, the century mark. Um, Tyler, I want to ask, I mean, I know we're not there yet, but did you even expect us to be this far? No. Honestly, uh, especially we had two members kind of fall out there pretty almost back to back. Uh, I mean, they're still technically members. They're just on hiatus. Um, but uh, yeah, but we kept going with us three and I'm really proud of that. Um, we just kind of kept, kept pumping out episodes and uh, here we are coming up on a hundred. That's pretty, pretty remarkable one bunch of like five more dudes during quarantine and we're still doing it. So uh, <laughs> pretty awesome. Yeah. You gotta love it, James. I mean, you, you, you work harder than anybody here when it comes to this thing, you're putting out all the videos and stuff. And, um, you know, I have to say the last, maybe what, two months that we've been just us three, we, we've really, uh, managed well. I mean, it seems like people are, people are enjoying our, uh, our, our banter, our chemistry. Um, just what are your thoughts about 95 and going into almost hitting the hundred mark? Just like you guys, man, I'm very happy we've made it this far, but to quote Kobe, job's not done. And I have no idea when this job's ever going to be done. Uh, but as long as we can have fun with it, and as long as people are listening and enjoying our content, I like where this is headed. And I mean, the one downfall about this is that we're not making money yet. But when we do make money, this would be that much sweeter. Um, but overall, man, it's just a great time for us to just sit back, take an hour and a half-ish, give or take, and just talk about sports more so than we normally do. So it's really cool. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's been fun. I mean, I, over the last, you know, couple of years here, I've, I've learned a lot about the other sports that I really don't follow, used that I really didn't used to follow. Um, Tyler, I'm looking at baseball probably the most, I mean, football, I probably was my net was my next closest sport that I followed only because I had a vested interest in fantasy football. So whenever you have something vested in, it's a little bit different, but um, I look, I, we, I just want to quickly say I'm very excited that we're very close. Um, and, and we love doing it and we really, really love doing it. Um, and more importantly, we're, we're hitting championship season guys. I mean, we're, we're very close to this, to the um, NHL playoffs just next week, next Monday. Um, the, the NBA playoffs are in full effect, which is bringing in a lot of great headlines. I know we're going to be talking about it, but there is a lot of great headlines. My favorite headline is probably the fact that the Suns are actually having to work very, very, very hard to, to get out of the first round. Um, the Pelicans have, tied the series which is i think is amazing james giving me the and i don't really like that look because he's like uh no they're the eighth seed and i don't give a fuck if you're an eighth seed you're expected to not be this much of a pain in the ass and they have been and then so you have doubt are the thoughts injuries man when you lose your best player after game two it's going to be tough to make that happen you're right so, but I mean, haven't the, the pelicans thing. been without their two best players who was that uh uh zion and uh, I forget who the other second guy is. Tyler, you so, can help me out. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's literally just Zion. <laughs> but they've done the entire season without Zion. And they've only gone two games without Devin Booker. And so when you can have an entire working formula with one guy out for the entire season, it's easier to push on in the playoffs as opposed to changing your entire game plan because now Devin Booker's out. Hey, That's 30 points. You, you live gone. and you learn. You got to adapt. And uh, and the fact that – the fact that um, Dude, are you going to you know, cry when Connor McDavid gets here in the playoffs and you guys get swept? Um, Connor McDavid hasn't <laughs> scored in three games and we've been, and we yeah, managed well, to be the best though. team in the God. league. We've managed to meet, we've not, we managed to be, uh, to handedly, uh, manage 
uh, whom else was it? Uh, off the top of my head, I can't really remember. But you know what? We're finding the depth scoring. I'm not going to say that we're going to go any far that far, but I'm just saying the Pelicans are doing what I did. I did not expect that. I mean, you can't tell me that you expected them to be two two at this point. Oh no, definitely not. So I had the Suns not losing a playoff game until you know the championship games. Yeah, I know that injuries. I know that injuries are a thing, but um it'll be interesting to see how that kind of shakes out um i know there's a lot of nba talk that unfortunately we're not going to get to maybe we will in a couple in a couple weeks james you're going to be i know you're focusing on the um on the draft and i think we just we might as well get right to it i think you're i think we're on our last 10 picks of the of the nfl draft and then after that i'm not sure what you're going to cover my guess is you might even take on the nba but i don't know what you want what you're wanting to do but before that we have the NFL draft. I believe that's next week, James. Take it is this Thursday. Actually. Thursday. Oh, shit. So in a couple of days. So depending on when you listen to this, this will come out Tuesday. So therefore, probably two days after you listen to this or one day if you listen to it on Wednesday or the day of. Well, it's Thursday. Or if you listen to it later. I don't know. Trayton said, <laughs> we're doing the last 10 picks or it's the first 10 picks, depending on how you look at it. Picks one through 10. But the way we did it, we did it backwards because it makes it that much more exciting. Starting off strong with number 10, we have the New York Jets traded from the Seattle Seahawks. Tyler, who are they picking and why? I got the Jets selecting Garrett Wilson, wide receiver out of Ohio State. Uh, they got their quarterback last year. Now they just need to add a little bit more offensive weapons. I think this is a great pick, a great uh, uh, sign by them here. Uh, great, great athlete there out of, out of Ohio. So I'm going to go with Garrett Wilson. Trayden. Yeah, unfortunately, Tyler Garrett Wilson's already going to be taken in my draft. So it's oh um, I have cornerback Ahmad Gardner uh, of Cincinnati, um, and I, I, I this will be the in my draft at least this is the first cornerback off the board, um, and I think that he's just going to be a star with Robert Sala uh, as as the as the coach there, um, and he he had three interceptions last year while not allowing a single touchdown. So that's pretty damn good. For mine. At number 10, it's actually not going to be the Jets. It's going to be a trade. Oh, The San Francisco 49ers are going to trade Debo Samuel to the New York Jets for pick number 10 and some other stuff. I, I, don't even, I didn't think about that, but pick number 10 is definitely included. So pick number 10, the San Francisco 49ers are going to pick Drake London, wide receiver out of USC. This dude has comparisons to Mike Evans. He's big, 6'4", and right now – the Niners need another wide receiver, just a tad, after getting rid of one of the best ever, not ever, one of the best two-way, like, running back and wide receivers there is in the league. You got you to gotta fill that void. So you go cheap, you go Drake London first round. Mike Amia, if you're listening to this, you're going to love that pick. You, Moving you think, on. Yeah, I, I, I guess really quick, I, why would the Jets want – I mean, obviously, Debo's Debo, but is it a little early to bring on a guy like that? Oh, no. I mean, at this point in time – there's a lot of roots to the San Francisco 49ers that the Jets have, including Robert Sala and their offensive coordinator. True. Because of that, you're going to want somebody who knows the system to impl- make it life easier for your quarterback. True. Zach Wilson's life is going to go so much easier if you have somebody who knows the playbook as well as Debo does. Playing under Robert Sala, playing under – it's not Mike McDaniel. I think it's uh, Matt LaFleur or Mike LaFleur. One of the LaFleur brothers. is He's, he's going to be there calling the offensive plays. He knows the system well. It's going to help out this team as a whole. I like that. Moving on, number nine, we have the Seattle Seahawks. It's the pick that came from the Denver Broncos for Russell Wilson. Trading, who are they picking? Um, I I think they're actually going to pick up quarterback Malik Willis 
from Liberty. Um, I, I think that they need – they're starting to rebuild with a new quarterback, right? I mean, I know that they're going to have Drew Locke, but we've seen Drew, what Drew Locke can do with, uh, you, know, you know, in Denver, and, and there's major question marks. I think this is a time for, for the, the Seattle Seahawks to step back and rebuild the new quarterback um, from, the, from the ground up the way they would like to develop him. Um, and I, and I think that they either could wait for, they could wait until next year, but I think that they're going to, they're going to kickstart it and bring in the, the, the new quarterback now. I like that pick. I like that pick a lot, but I don't like the person. <laughs> I have the same position quarterback, Kenny Pickett quarterback from Pittsburgh is going to go to Seattle. Uh, like you just mentioned, Drew Locke is not the guy, uh, can Kenny Pickett is like the most NFL ready QB. He has four nine career starts at quarterback, which is more than any of these other quarterback potentials. And he has a good feel for the pocket. So right now in the Seattle Seahawks, if they expect to be moderately competitive and win more than three games, they're going to pay the best QB in the class who is the most ready. He may have a low ceiling, but he has a very high floor in Kenny Pickett. Tyler. I'm actually not. I'm going to go on the defense here. I think the Seahawks are going to start to rebuild that Legion of Boom part two. Uh, they're going to go with the edge rusher here. Uh, Jermaine Johnson, the second out of Florida State. Um, I think they got plenty of time to figure out the quarterback. They don't need that anytime soon. I don't think Drew Locke is the answer. I don't know if they're going to go via, do it via free agency, if they're going to go for a draft maybe next year, kind of wait for a quarterback that they like. But I just don't see a quarterback that's going to fit there in Seattle this year. So I think they're going to go more on the defensive side with Jermaine Johnson. Moving on number eight, we have the Atlanta Falcons. Tyler, who are they drafting? Uh, I'm going to go with Chris Olave. Olave? Olave. There ah, it is. Damn it. <laughs> Olave, a wide receiver out of Ohio State. Uh, second Ohio State wide receiver picked in the first round. Uh, very talented playmaker, kind of helped re- re- rebuild that offense. Uh, Atlanta's obviously got a lot of work to do, but I think we'll start here. Trading. I have a wide receiver, Garrett Wilson, um, out of oh. Ohio State. Um, and the, the, the thing is, is, is Marcus Mariota is getting a second chance as a, as, a, as a starting quarterback, and all he has right now is Kyle Pitts that's not going to get you anywhere. You need to have, you need to bring in someone else. And I think Gary Wilson is going to fill that void. I want defense. And I, the, the thing is, there's a lot of holes for this Atlanta Falcons team to fill. They're not going to be competitive. They got no wide receivers. Marcus Mariota is kind of just there to be there. So you pick the best player in the draft left after pick number seven. And that's going to be Derek Stingley Jr. Cornerback, Louisiana state shut down cornerback. He got, he had a hurt. He had a foot injury, so he's out of all last year. So he's going to drop a little bit. But this guy is long, rangy, shut down, can take on pretty much anybody. And that's just somebody good to have. Makes Takes pressure off your defense. Build off of him as you go forward because this, this Atlanta Falcon team is not going to be competitive. Moving on to number seven, we have the New York Giants. Tyler. Uh, at number seven, the Giants are going to select Trayvon Walker, edge rusher out of Georgia. Oh uh, very athletic defender. They need to establish that front line. Uh, they're going to go with Trayvon Walker here. This is crazy because, like I've been saying since the get-go, this no, nobody knows who number one, two, or three is. Trayvon Walker, you have, you have him go to seven. And, I mean, Trayden had him going at, like, 14 or something. Like, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. And he's I, – I thought he was a contestant soft three pick. But, I mean, it's, it's all over the place right he now. might be. There's a lot of good edge rushers this, this year's draft. So, I think that's a, it's, it's, a, it's a very deep field in that specific position. So, I think those kind of go all over the place, depending on what team wants them. But So, yeah, but you're right. It's a crapshoot. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have a safety, um, Kyle Hamilton at a Notre Dame. Um, oh, I just think, I just think that, that, that um, 
that I, I just think that the Giants can't pass up that kind of game changer at that position. You can build around this guy. And I think uh, and I think that's who they're going to pick right there. I have him picking defense as well, but I have him picking a, a cornerback, Ahmad Sauce Gardner out of Cincinnati. This guy, like we saw like a preview for him on a commercial or something. And it was like, this guy was never tested. People were so afraid of him, just shutting down defenders, getting interceptions. Nobody ever threw to his side. And he fits. He's, he's a big guy. He's physical. He blitzes a lot. He's able to lock up your wide receiver one-on-one. He fits a new defensive coordinator with Mark and Dale's scheme really, really well. And through three seasons, he's allowed a passer rating of 31.8. That's how locked down he is. Wow. Crazy. Wow. At number six, Carolina Panthers. Tyler, or Trayden, sorry. Who are they picking? Um, they have, I have a quarterback, Kenny Pickett. Pittsburgh uh going here and I I look at Sam Donald and I'm like dude you need to get him the fuck out of here because he's just not good and I think that I mean as we mentioned on this last couple weeks the quarterback pool is is pretty weak and I think that Kenny Pickett is probably their only this year's opportunity to find a guy that they could feel good about and and develop um Sam Donald's days are done as starting court at least for now we definitely just flip-flopped quarterback picks because i have them picking malik willis out of liberty at pick number six i think reason being i think sam Darnold is better than drew lock and malik willis is not the most ready quarterback but he has the quarterback that has the highest ceiling so give him a couple years to be back there and learn the nfl be better in practice and whatnot and sam Darnold could be the stop gap for the time being and then when push comes to shove when sam Darnold's out of there malik willis can step in and be the guy so that's why i have malik willis being picked at number six tyler I agree with trading on this one. I'm also going to go Kenny Pickett, uh, quarterback out of Pittsburgh. I do agree with you, James. I think this guy is probably the best quarterback in this draft class. I think he's the most NFL ready, um, but I think Carolina, Carolina is going to snap him there at six. Number five, the New York Giants. Tyler. Akeem Ekwanu, tackle out of NC State. Uh, they need to protect Daniel Jones. Uh, so I think they're going to get uh, – they're going to go um, offensive line with, with, with this pick. Uh, Iquanu, I don't know. Hopefully, I said that sounds right to me. Yeah, cool. All right, <laughs> he's probably never going to hear this. We're good. Yeah. If he does, Ty lives in yeah. LA. Sorry, we'll beat him up. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also have him picking a tackle, but not Ikeem Iquanu. I have him picking Evan Neal, tackle, Alabama. It looks like I agree with you, Tyler. Like Brian Dable, the new head coach, wants to help Daniel Jones and resurrect his career, and so the Giants have one of the worst offensive lines in the league since Daniel Jones has entered the league. And so, you know, give him some help. Give him a left tackle. Give him some protection. Maybe show, give him some time so he can read the defense and throw the ball like a real quarterback. Trade. The problem with both of your picks is they're going to be already gone. <laughs> so they're going to oh be stuck God. with – They're going to be stuck <laughs> with Charles Cross at a Mississippi State. Um, this is the in, – in my draft is the next best offensive lineman that they absolutely need. But um, Iquanu and uh, – and was it uh, – Neil will already be taken. So you can't take him. Oh, my God. Okay, moving on to number four, New York Jets. Trading. Akeem Aquano. The Jets need need all um, just more strength on that offensive line, and um, I think he can just slide in on the right tackle and, and kind of solidify that spot. Zach Wilson, protecting him is your number one priority. Yeah, I agree. I have the exact same pick right there. I'm not going to say the name because I'm probably going to butcher it. But whatever t- trading said, ditto. Um, the, the New York Jets have been working all offseason to just revamp and just make this offensive line the best offensive line possible. 
They gave they signed Lake and Tomlinson, who is a great run blocker. The Jets are going to run a lot, and they're going to need time to give the Zach Wilson some time to read the defense and give Debo Samuel the ball because they're going to pick him. They're going to get him for the tenth overall pick. That's how it's going to work out. Tyler, I got the Jets selecting Amon Garner uh, out of Cincinnati. Oh, wow. um, Train, you had you had them selecting him at ten, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, so, so I, I I think they're actually going to get him a little bit earlier here. Um, I mean, the Jets, they got to look at the AFC. It's a quarterback rich uh, conference. Uh, you got to be able to defend that uh, uh, pass play. Um, so I think that they're going to go there at four, Ahmad Garner. Number three, Houston Texans. Tyler. Evan Neal, tackle out of Alabama. Uh, so, uh, James, you had him a little bit uh, later in the draft, but I think the Houston Texans are going to snap him here at three. Um, as I mentioned, kind of last round, I think Houston's going to build through the trenches here in this draft. So they're going to start with the offensive line here at three. Trading. So I'm either an idiot or not because Neil still hasn't still has already been picked by now. Um, and that Ooh. would be edge rusher Aiden Hutchinson um, out of Michigan <laughs> is my pick. Um, I think I think that with the other edge rusher who I'm about to talk about off the board, he's the next best uh, option for Houston um, at, the, at the edge position. This is crazy. This is going to be so fun. I have Kayvon Thibodeau. Ed Rusher, no, Oregon, <laughs> elite explosiveness, length, and has so much power. Uh, there are some questions about his character going into the draft here. So it's honestly, it's perfect for the Texans because the Texans have <laughs> a track record of picking some questionable character people. So just, you'll fit right in. Uh, Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. There's so many holes to fill up for the Texans. Just pick the best guy off the board. And at this point in time, it's going to be Kayvon Thibodeau, Ed Rusher out of Oregon. Number two, Detroit Lions. Trading. Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon. <laughs> He's explosive. He has character issues. And I think Dan Campbell is going to whip him into shape. Um, oh, he wow. is the best player probably in the draft, but my first pick is, is going to because, because um, Jacksonville is taking care of that. So the next, the, the best option for, for Detroit is, is Ed Rusher, Kayvon Thibodeau. Tyler. Kayvon Thibodeau, edge rusher out of Oregon. <laughs> is there an echo in here or something? Uh, yeah, I agree with what James said about this guy. I think he's an elite defender, uh, I think. But I think the Lions are going to nab him there, too. See, the thing is, I love what you said about – I mean, trade. I love what you said about having Dan Campbell whip him to shape because of his character issues. But the reason why I have him picking Aiden Hutchinson out of – the edge rusher out of Michigan here is because he fits that Lions system perfectly. Blue collar, works hard high character. Those are the kind of guys that Dan Campbell wants and wants to build a culture around. You don't want some guy in his second year of coaching to be a nuisance. You want the guys who will buy into your system, work hard day in and day out. Uh, the Lions definitely need some immediate pass rushing up there. They were, had a 24% pressure rate, which is 31st in the league, and there's only 32 teams. They're bad. Aiden Hutchinson can help that from the get-go. And coming in at number one, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Tyler, who are they picking? The first overall pick to the 2022 NFL draft, the Jackson Jill. Wow. Jacksonville wow. Jaguars. <laughs> Jackson Jill. Jackson, Jackson Jill. Jill. Yeah, they uh, moved. Do you know that? Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars select Aiden Hutchinson, edge rusher out of Michigan. <laughs> I do believe that Hutchinson is the best overall player in this draft. Uh, so the Jaguars are going to go with that. They're going to take the best overall player. I think Hutchinson fits that bill. Um, I agree, James. I think he probably is a better fit in Detroit, but unfortunately for Detroit, he's going to be picking one. You know, I was chipping out hard when Tyler and Traden both had 
Trayvon Walker being picked at seven and 14 because I haven't picked at number one. Wow. Trayvon Walker, edge rusher, Georgia. He's not truly an edge rusher because he plays inside and outside of the D-line. He's a fucking athlete. Oh, my God, he's an athlete. 4.5 40-yard dash on his 6'5", 272-pound frame. Tyler weighs half of that and runs a 7-3. Crazy. And this guy runs a 4-5. He's still pretty raw, uh, but his ceiling is incredible. As He needs to fix his, you know, he's just so strong. He's relying on his body too much right now and power. But as long as he can work on his technique, he's going to be literally unstoppable. And the Jaguars could have made an argument for, you know, the tackle position, but they just franchised Tad Campbell Robinson, who's decent. So you go here, you pick the best overall player who has the highest ceiling, Trayvon Walker, edge out of Georgia. And trading, last but not least, who are the Jackson Jill Jaguars picking at number one? Yep. So what are you going to follow up after you've, after you've drafted a franchise quarterback? What are you going to draft as in the first pick? And that's a franchise offensive lineman, Evan Neal out of Alabama. Um, he is an immediate starter. He is going to be a franchise tackle for a long, long time. And I think that that is going to pair perfectly with Trevor Lawrence, who needs so much freaking help. And I know that you you typically pick the best you typically pick the best um, player at that at that position, but or you know in the draft. But at this point, Trevor Lawrence needs protection if he's if he's going to if he's going to succeed. And this this is this this is the best offensive lineman in the in the draft, in my opinion. And that's why he goes here. Love that. And ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up picks one through thirty-two over three episodes of the 2022 NFL Draft, airing this Thursday on ESPN, ABC, or YouTube TV. I could be wrong on all those. I really don't know where it's airing. <laughs> Figure it out yourself. But it's on this Thursday, the 28th. Have fun. I love that. Yeah, that, different that, picks for that was awesome. Um, just like last year, it was a lot of fun to, to go through that, James. And, and once again, I think, I think we nailed it. I mean, I know that we didn't nail our picks. I know we're all going to be fucking wrong. But I know some of these players now, and when I see them on the field, I can be like, "Oh, I th- I saw that guy going here. I know where that guy's from." So, uh, so this was this is always a learning experience. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed it. Oh, also um, one more thing, guys. Yeah. Uh, I forgot to mention before, but the person who has the most right gets fifty dollars from me. But if I have the most right, y'all give me twenty five dollars each. Deal. Fair enough. Deal. Deal. Fair enough. Um, love it. Um, whenever there's money involved, James is jumping on that. So Absolutely. he is a degenerate gambler. If, if yeah. I've ever seen one, um, James, just really quick. What are your thoughts going, you know, what are your thoughts after the draft? What are your thoughts about, you know, your segments going forward? I have no idea. I haven't thought about that yet. That's uh, that's something that future James is to tackle uh, right now. He's mostly just focusing on the baseball. Oh, dams. And, you know, and NHL teams that have gotten eliminated, but I'm not really sure. I could probably do some NBA type stuff. I'm good at that. But I mean, you hate that. So I don't really know. I don't, I don't hate it. I mean, I do. I'm, I'm here. I'm here to, to, to be a podcast. I'm, 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 I'm a part of the team. You know, if I, if I need to, if I need to play on the, on the penalty kill, I'll play in the penalty kill. It's okay. I don't You might just it. do karaoke for 20 minutes. Oh God. Ooh. I think people would love that. Yeah. They may love <laughs> I'm just that. kidding. <laughs> they may love that. You know what? You might want to rethink it, but you know what? I don't hate <laughs> it. Just, just think about it um no uh james i love it um can't wait to see who uh who goes where in this draft um and it's the last big thing in the nfl at least for a while so um so then we can really focus on the on the playoff sports that are going on and the mlb which we're going to talk about next after this break tyler's going to come back with some more dams after week two when we come back
And welcome back, Odam. We have more Odams to talk about in the MLB. It's week two. Um, we have a couple of good ones for you. Um, Tyler, take it away, buddy. First, I want to start off with a little bonus Odam that I sent to the boys very last minute. So hopefully they got to watch the video or have already seen it. But uh, we had a an ep- uh, meltdown of epic proportions on Sunday Night Baseball. Uh, Kyle Schwarber completely went apeshit crazy on Angel, Hernan- on Angel Hernandez after being called out on strikes. Um, this is a, if you're not familiar with uh, um, umpires in Major League Baseball, they steal the spotlight probably more so than any other officiating group in all of the sports. Uh, Angel Hernandez is a really shitty umpire. Uh, he actually sued Major League Baseball a few years ago for not being selected to go to the World Series, and he blamed it on the discrimination. But MLB straight up came back and said, it's not because we're discriminating against you, it's because you're terrible at your job. Uh, <laughs> so he, he, he has been known to be a pretty bad umpire. And, um, you know, kind of going through this whole game, he, you know, he calls balls, strikes, he calls strikes, balls, it's all over the place. Uh, Kyle Schwarber got called on strikes in the ninth inning in a one nothing ball game. I was watching the game um live and i didn't know it was angel hernandez until he took his mask off and i was like of course it was angel hernandez who made that call like it, it met, now it all makes sense um hopefully you guys got to watch it just kind of your initial reaction did you love it what did you think it was funny just like james like kind of what kind of what did you think i thought it was the best possible way to do what he did because a he took his bat and he threw it the opposite direction of angel hernandez so he didn't hurt anybody uh he couldn't have been like fine for violence or whatnot and he screamed about it and he kept his distance and he didn't like throw punches, but he got what he said and he said it to the umpire to make sure everybody knew what it was, what was happening. And the cool thing about that is that everybody agreed, even yep. the other team. The, was it, it was Phillies and Brewers, right? Yeah. And so like both teams were like, yep, he's right. I 100% agree with this guy. Uh, but also in the same breath, like if Angel Hernandez is calling it the same way for both teams, like I get that that's a ball or yeah, that's definitely a ball. But if he's calling it both ways, I get, I get the equality of it. If he was just calling for one side more than the other, I'd be like, oh, that's messed up. But if he's equally bad for both teams, should have made an adjustment, guys. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. Uh, he is equally bad, but it's kind of just all over the place. He's just, he's just shitty. It's one thing if the umpire is calling it consistently in one direction, but it's just like sometimes he calls it low and away, sometimes he doesn't call it low and away. It's just, it, he's, just he's just fucking terrible. Drayden, your reaction to this? Yeah, I mean, this guy missed 19 calls. That's a lot. <laughs> this, is a, this is a professional umpire. And you know what? I have to say, and I, I am quoting the, the top comment on the video that you sent us, which I think is absolutely amazing. I am surprised, I, and I, I'm not, I don't take credit for this, but I'm going to say it. I do find it surprising that the MLB did not settle for, for um, the discrimination case because they did discriminate against a blind person, and that's sad. <laughs> oh, <laughs> That's so pretty, it's pretty great. Um, MLB pick up your shit because this guy deserves his, because he is a blind motherfucker. He's terrible. Get him out behind the plate. You know what? Put him. I, I like, I like the guys uh, on in the videos uh, solution. Just put him at third base. Like nothing happens. Yeah. At third base. Just, so just keep him there. Yeah. Tyler, I have a question for you. Yeah. If you had a pick between Joe West, and Angel Hernandez, the umpire, every single Dodger game for the rest of your life, who would you pick? Wow. Uh, I would have to go with Joe West just because he is a better overall umpire. He's an absolute asshole, but at least he's good at what he does. Angel Hernandez is just a shitty umpire. Like, I don't – he's just bad. So, I, I'd rather have the asshole who can do his job well and not just some bimbo that can't do anything right. Um, so, unfortunately, Angel Hernandez, I'm sorry. You just – it's just bad. It's all sorts of bad. But, yeah, Stop. I love – I love <laughs> Kyle – everything about that Kyle Schwarber meltdown was fantastic. 
as kind of James mentioned, like I was agreeing, like he was actually arguing for the Brewers during that whole rant. He was like, you've been calling it both on both sides. You've been just been wrong all night. And just the animation of, of, of the arms flailing, you've been calling it outside. You've been calling it inside. You've been calling <laughs> it up. It was fantastic. I, I just, it was on sports center all morning. And I, I, I still laugh about it every time I see it. So what did they say? Did they agree with. Everybody sure. agreed, man. Everybody, yeah, I mean, pretty agreed. much everyone agrees with uh, Kyle Schwarber on this one. I think everyone applauds Kyle Schwarber for melt. I mean, like I said, it's, it's, it's pent up frustration. And at that point, he just let it out. You know, at that point, top of ninth inning, the game's pretty much over. I mean, at least his, 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 his night is over. Um, just get it out off, off your chest. So you, you kind of can't blame the guy on that. I do have to say, uh, I thank you, Angel Hernandez, for working that game because I had two pitchers playing in that for fantasy and I was down by about 50 points. And he was calling so many strikeouts that it upped my points for so much. I like one of them gave me like 30 points and another one gave me like 22 points, which is crazy for a pitcher because of all the dumb strikeouts he called. And I won my match. So thank you, Angel Hernandez. There you go. Maybe Angel He's old and just wants the games to end quicker, dude. Telling you. Probably. (laughs) James, off to a really good fantasy baseball start 2-0. 2-0, baby. One of only only three remaining undefeated teams in our league. So congratulations. Thanks Um, so much. Moving on to uh, my second oh damn moment, uh, a big historical moment, a big milestone was reached with one of the greatest hitters of all time. Uh, Miguel Cabrera got his 3,000th hit. Uh, he became the 33rd member of a 3,000 hit club Saturday against the Rockies at his home ballpark in Detroit. Um, he is the he's also the seventh player to have hit to have gotten 3,000 hits and 500 home runs, joining Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, Rafael Palmero, Albert Pujols, Alex Rodriguez, and Eddie Murray. That is quite a company to be a part of. No doubt, we've already discussed it. Like he's a future Hall of Famer. I think last year or last season he got his uh, uh, number number 500 home run. He's got the, the 3,000 hits this year. Um, so obviously a huge awesome moment for 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 Miggy there. Um, you know, the Tigers might be in, in contention here. The White Sox have taken a real dump lately, made that division a lot more interesting. So we'll kind of see how that goes. Um, but kind of my question about this, you know, first, when I ask, ask the guys, you guys can kind of, you know, comment on on this uh, milestone for, for Miggy. And then also, who do you think is next? Of the current guys currently playing the game, who do you think is the next player, if any, to reach that 3,000 hits? James, I'll start with you. So that's the first part. Miggy, congrats, man. Uh, class act, great player. Nobody has anything bad to say about him. They all just yeah. love the dude. Uh, I think it was really funny, though, that I think he was playing against the Yankees and they intentionally walked him. Yep. And, and the, the manager was like, you stole like a World Series from me in 2003 or some shit. Like it's not a long time ago. He's like, I'm going to yeah, walk yeah. you so you don't get your, your 3,000 hit off of me. And I was like, wow. Well, yeah, okay. Back around. It all comes back around. That's life, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, But to answer the second part of that question, if or when will any of the current players hit that milestone? Looking at the people who are closest right now, I it's it's tough to say. Um, I have two people that I've I've pointed out though that I have, and that's Manny Machado, at 29 years of age, 1,445 hits. It is definitely possible playing in San Diego, playing with that stack lineup, and them running just innings for a, a long period of time that he gets. He gets to that that spot there, 3,000 hits. And then this was a real wild card because he's very young. But Juan Soto, 23 years of age, 500 hits. Dude, this, this dude is a monster. He's the only person for the Nationals doing anything ever. 
Uh, he's going to keep doing what he's going to do to keep this team to sur- to, from sur- from dying, just keep this team surviving. And from that, he's just going to just pump out more hits. 500 at 23. Guys, that's ridiculous. He, he I'm actually going all in. He's going to get 3,000 hits. at. I'm calling it right now at all right. 23 years of age. Before he retires, he will be hitting at least 3,000 hits. Everybody else on the list, like Robinson Cano, he's the closest right now, but he's 39. Joey Votto, second closest at 39. They're all really, really old. And the other other person that's like kind of like on that barrier, uh, that's kind of close and is a superstar is Mike Trout. 1,431 hits at 30. The one thing I don't like about that, and I love Mike Trout, is that he is made of porcelain. So I don't know how many, how much longer he can sustain full seasons because he hasn't been able to the last couple of seasons. And if you don't play, you can't get hits. And he's he might be the most effective and most dominant baseball player while he's playing. But when he's not playing, he ain't getting hits. So it's going to be tough for him to get 3,000. I like that. But you heard it here, you heard it here first, guys, on April 25th, 2022. James predicted Juan Soto will become a member of the 3000 hit club, hopefully in another, you know, 15 years or whenever it is. So we'll have to I might have to buy a guy. futures bit on that. Yeah. You right might now. Have to. Yeah. I think I, I, 10 I, bucks to win a million. That's a great call. I mean, Juan Soto is probably the best young hitter in the game right now. I think that's a great uh, guy to put your money on uh, trade in same question. If anyone gets it, who's going to be, and then just your thoughts on maybe getting his. I, I, look, I, I don't know that we, I don't, I don't know when we're going to see it again. And the reason is, 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 is right now, I mean, if you, if you look at batting averages over the years, right, it has been trending down considerably since, especially since the, there's like a peak in 2000, which is way, way past the 1920 peak. But in, but in 2000, it's dropped kind of precipitously with a, with a nice pop in like 2003, but uh, it's gone down considerably. Add to the fact that we've had a, that we had the COVID shortened season last year, we had the worst batting, uh, worst batting average we have ever seen. Uh, on top of that, um, in the 2000s, we had about 5.8, 5.8 guys hit the 200 hit mark. And in the 2010s, it's only been down to 2.3 in all up to the 2010s. So you're not getting the type of hitting. And maybe it's because, well, it's because of a multitude of, uh, of issues. We're seeing better pitching. We're seeing, we're seeing great pitching as you can, as you can, as you can agree, Tyler. And I just think that the games change where, the hitting is, is going for the, the long bombs and not so much, you know, keeping it in play. We've talked about this before. And I think, and I think the, those, those type of factors are going to, are, are going to weigh on, on players ability to, 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 to get that 3000 mark. I mean, Mike, Mike Trout's hurt all the time. And it's maybe it's because he's trying to focus on, you know, getting doing what he does best and that's hitting the, the, the big ones. And that doesn't always, you know, translate to longevity. Um, you know, Ichiro was, Ichiro was one of the best hitters ever hit, but he wasn't, he didn't have a bomb at all. <laughs> he just kept it all in play. Right. So I, I don't, to be honest with you, I don't know. I mean, maybe, I mean, Freeman, maybe Freeman is, is maybe there. And as, as much as I hate to fucking say this little freaking fruitcake, but El Tuve maybe. Um, but unless he's cheating, I think he might be able to, I mean, that might help, but I don't guys, I don't know that we're going to see it. I think the game's just changed a bit. We have better pitching. We have, um, a different way to play the game. Um, and I, and I just think that we may not see it for a long time. I, I agree that the game is changing, but I think given everything that's changed the last two years is going to make it so hitters will hit more. Uh, the, the whole crackdown on sticky stuff. Pitchers won't be able to throw as accurately right now. Look at Garrett Cole. He's been having the shittiest year of all time because he can't do anything without sticky stuff. And look at the fact that they're banning the shift. And now those lefties who are pull hitters, 
will hit right down that alley between first and second every single time without a shortstop being right in the middle there. That'll get a hit. The base is being bigger. That's going to encourage a little bit more stealing and easier stealing, which means the inning will probably last a bit longer, which gives you more at-bats. And all these rules that are coming up right now, I think is making it so offense gets higher. And with more offense comes higher batting average, more often than not. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I think the MLB is looking at this at this um, graph that or this chart that I have here, and they're looking at this at this major drop. I mean, I'm talking hockey stick down, and and I think the MLB is like, yeah, we need to. We for some reason they think that they need to change that um, and flip it the other way. And maybe you're right, James. Maybe maybe we'll see it. But un, until I until I see the average, you know, the, the season average back to two five, which it hasn't been since. 2018 i don't know that i can see i don't know that i see it and and two and two five is not even that high considering in the 2000s it was at over 260 270 so um i, I don't know I, I i hope you're right james i hope i mean i guess i don't know if i hope you're right or not i, I changing the game <laughs> too much can be a problem but um is it going to be enough i don't know and also like you look at averages as a whole but right now you're looking at 33 players who've ever hit 3,000 hits it's, it's like the top 0.00001% of all baseball players. Sure. And so the average don't really affect them. Like, cool, the average could be like 100, but they're still probably hitting 333. And so that's that's what the difference is there. Yeah, uh, great points on both sides. I, I like it. Um, I, I, I do think that, you know, as you just right, as you mentioned, you know, kind of batting averages and the amount of hits is less um, less of a thing. It's kind of geared more towards power, which kind of decreases average, which is really what makes – Miguel Cabrera's even kind of that second point being only the seventh player to hit 3000 hits and 500 home runs to have both of those com- combined is a really rare feat. Um, and you really think about like all the players that have ever played baseball, only 33 of them have ever reached 3000. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, I do think that we'll probably see the number of people who hit that probably slow down a little bit, like kind of just the rate of it. It's probably going to be a little while. Um, all the names you guys mentioned, I think, are, are really good candidates. Uh, James, I like that Manny Machado pick. I think he was kind of my top as I as I think like the first guy that might reach it. I, I agree with this. The same thing you said about Mike Trout. I feel like Mike Trout just with he's just been the best player of our generation. I think he will reach it. Just I, I don't know. It's just more of a feel thing, and I just want it to happen. But I agree with you. He's got to stay healthy in order to, to do that. Obviously, um, but if he can stay healthy, I have no doubt Mike Trout will definitely reach that milestone. Um, and then. Uh, Trey, and you also mentioned Freddie Freeman. That's an interesting one. He's kind of like he might just barely miss out, just because he kind of he's he's always been pretty good, but last like three or four years he's really accelerated um, his his production. So he might have started just a little bit too late. Um, but if he can keep the the rate of production that he's been doing, he's probably gonna get pretty close. And if he can stay durable and stay healthy, he might have a good shot at as, as well. Really quick, guys, maybe you can answer this. How long is the average for for a superstar such as Mike Trout? How many seasons is he can would he play? I mean, typically guys that have reached this, this milestone, you're going, you're about 20, right around 20 seasons. About 20. Yeah. yeah. See, that's the problem with Mike Trout is he's 12 years in and he only, he doesn't even have half. That's probably, yeah, yeah. but you can also count for the, you know, there's the, I think careers and across the COVID all sports have too. gotten longer, right? So people are playing a little bit longer in, 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 into their careers as they used to, I think, you know, healthcare and, and you know, what we know about, keeping the body uh, uh, healthy has gotten better. So you might see guys careers extend a little bit longer. So that kind of might, might make up for that. But 
We'll see. It'll be, it'll be, it'll be fun to watch, but you, I, you got to go like 160 per season from now on. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, well, I, think it's I think that might be doable for him, man. Like every single season he's played, his stats have been like, he's always had 20 more hits than he's played in games at least. And so even like that, even his, his year, two years ago where he played 33 games, he had like 50 hits or like three years, the COVID year, he had a ton of hits. In his first couple of years, he averaged like one, 170, 190. Like the dude was on top of it back back then, but he just needs to be healthy. If he can play in games, we're looking great. Yeah. But if yeah. he do, if he can't, then it's unfortunate, man. It's just fate. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it really makes that number three thousand really put in perspective how incredible it is. Like you really have to put together twenty great seasons of baseball consistently, and that's really hard to do. So and stay healthy. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. there a, you lot, have to be a lot of things have to go well. You know. Yeah. So yeah, you you, you got to have a little bit of, of 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 luck in there as well, but. Uh, congrats to Miguel, Miguel Cabrera, future Hall of Famer there in Detroit on that great milestone. All right, moving on to my last oh damn. Uh, we're going to take a trip to the bad apple here. Uh, this was kind of the biggest kind of story in terms of kind of almost kind of off the field, on the field type of deal. Uh, Yankees fans, we're talking, we're talking about Yankees fans. They've been known to be some of the more brutal fans um, in, in the league for a long period of time. Uh, but on Saturday, it got pretty ugly. So just kind of a breakdown of what happened. Uh, the Guardians were playing at Yankee Stadium on Saturday. Uh, it was a close game going to the bottom of the ninth inning. The uh, Yankees were down by one run. Uh, a ball was hit uh, to the left field wall with his runner on second. Stephen Kwan, the uh, Guardians right fielder, hurt uh, himself crashing into the wall trying to make the game-saving catch. Didn't, didn't make the catch, but just ran really hard into it. After trainer manager goes out to the field to kind of check, it, ch- ch- check up on him. Uh, the uh, Guardians, uh, other two outfielders, Mercado and Straw, were over there kind of to check up on their teammate. During that, the fans were saying something that Mercado and Straw did not agree with. Uh, so Straw legit climbed the fence, grabbed on the fence and climbed up and got right into the face of whatever Yankees fans was 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 uh, telling him. So he was confronting him. Uh, there's actually been a new video that I just saw. I don't know if you guys have seen it of the fan next to him that was talking to him. It's pretty, pretty, pretty insane. Um, so then the next batter, uh, Glaber Torres hits a walk-off single to right field, so the, uh, the opposite uh, outfield of where the whole initial situation happened. And immediately, beer cans start to get thrown on the field. They, they're throwing them at, at Mercado. They're, they're throwing them at Straw. I mean, just I don't even know how many beer cans were thrown. It was probably like 20, 30 of them, like just raining down from the stands. It, was, it got really ugly, so much to the point where the Yankees were celebrating their walk-off win, and then uh, Stanton and Judge – members of the Yankees had to go out to right, to right field and tell the fans to chill the fuck out and just plead for them to stop throwing stuff onto the field. It got pretty nasty. Um, so this kind of brings up the whole situation. I mean, a, we can kind of on, 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 on the more kind of light joking side of it. Do you guys think the Yankees fans are the worst fans in sports? Uh, this is not their first instances of things similar to this. Uh, they kind of have a reputation of being pretty shady. Uh, so that's my first question. Second, kind of a more serious question. Should MLB do anything about this kind of situation? If anything, slash, what can they do? I mean, it's 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 kind of a complicated situation. Obviously, we everyone agrees that that's crossing lines. You should never throw stuff on the field ever. Um, so we can all agree on that. But kind of just your thoughts on the Yankees fan base as a whole, and what if anything MLB should do to step in to kind of manage the situation. Trade. Um, as for the the worst uh, fans, I mean, they're definitely up there. I mean, look, th- this is the fan base. I mean, I know, I know, we can't look at those those fans and just say that that's all all Yankees fans because it's not. But Yankees fans are known to be just pretentious, snobby, 
think that they're better than everybody. This is this the to be fair, the Yankees are the second most valuable sports team in North America behind only the the Dallas Cowboys. So in the MLB, they're clearly the the most valuable. Um, and you know, and, and they have the deepest pockets, and 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 the the Yankees fans love to tout that. You know, but the thing is, they don't really have much to. Sh- I mean, they don't have much to show for it as of late, um, and that I think that pisses them off. I mean, it, it's it's also that it's New York. I mean, I, I, I'm gonna leave my I'm gonna leave it there. I mean, you don't have to say much more than that. No offense to anybody who's from there, but there's definitely a different vibe when it comes to to New York City, and I think that the Yankees kind of really just illustrate that um, and and their fan base. Unfortunately, because you know, at the end of the day, the Yankees are the most storied franchise in history at least in mlb history if not you know us us sports history so um and you know it is what it is but as for what to do what the mlb can do unless if they have enough cameras i think if you can try and target who 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 is throwing what i mean you could try and it can try and ban them it's tough though i mean it's 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 kind of a tough situation to try and ban them what you could do it you know if you kind of see it in in a bunch of other things you know once once some stupid fans uh, ruin it get rid of that section of fans, like push them back, push them back and say, you know what, this is, this is, this is because you guys are all fuckheads. And now you have to be, now we have to leave, you know, 10 rows down where you can't be next to the players. And you know what? I love the chirping. If you're in a chirp, chirp a player, as long as it's within reason, I I don't mind it. Like it, it, players understand that in in some cases, players love that. It kind of fuels them unless it's like, you know, racial or something like that. That's one thing. But if you, if, you know, if if, if you want to give them the business, that's, that's your prerogative. But once you start throwing stuff, it's done. And, and I think that, I think that Yankee stadium could have done a little bit, should be doing a little bit more. And I think the MLB has the opportunity if they can kind of pinpoint who, who threw what, I don't know. It's kind of tough, but um, you know, ban them, ban them from any, ban them from any Yankee game, at least if not any single, uh, you know, stadium in, in, in the, in the United States, but it's kind of hard to do that. I know that's kind of a pipe dream, but that's my thought. That's good stuff. James, what do you think? Are the Yankees the worst fan base in sports? I, I definitely agree 100% with what Trayton said. It's hard to stereotype the entire fan base based off of a few individuals who had brash actions that they've done. Because, I mean, like, let's, there's, like, what, 40,000 people in the stands there, give or take-ish. 40,000 and the people who threw stuff, there's probably, like, 10 of them. So you can't characterize an entire fan base based off of 10 people. Were they wrong to do so? Absolutely. Don't do that. They're, these are not circus animals. They're... That you don't treat them like that. These are people. These are human beings. These are literally like exactly the same as you are. They're just doing something that you're watching. How would you feel if you personally threw stuff? If professional athletes went to your office while you're typing on shit and started throwing water and ink toner at you because you you didn't perform. If you didn't type a word fast enough, damn, bro. Like that. That would be. You wouldn't like that either. So let's let's think about that. If you were treated that way, you wouldn't like it. Be nicer. We're all human beings. We're all going through shit. Uh, but are they the worst fan base? Possibly. It, it, it could be. They're very much fair weather. They're brash. Like had Traden had said, like you're from New York, you they exemplify that to a T. It's definitely a different vibe. It's not chill like it is on the West Coast here. And yes, I know we have some insane West Coast bias. Thank you, Matt. But on the East Coast, there it's, it's just it's different, man. You weather is a lot harsher. And so if that has something to do with the personality to have to get through that tough winter days, then yeah, I get it. Um, But yeah, they're definitely fair weather. They, if they start losing, will those fans be there? Probably not. I don't know, man. Don't they sell out? 
like all the time. If but they haven't had a like a losing losing yeah, season. That's the thing with the Yankees is they're usually always least at least competitive. Right. They're not going to go thirty and one hundred thirty. Like if if they do that, <laughs> will there still be fans there? I mean, there might be riots if that happens. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, but I, they're definitely fair weather because I mean, like, yeah, I don't know, like a real true Yankee fan who would root for that team thick and thin because they haven't gone through thin yet. So we'll see. Well, to be to be fair, we I mean. To be fair, we're not from New York, so we wouldn't know. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I, I, I look, I look at the Dodgers, and I, there's no way that anybody can tell me Dodgers are fair weather fans. They are going to, they, they, I think they inject Dodger serum into their veins for fuck's sake. Even if they're have, have they had a losing season recently? Not recently, but what does that matter? I mean, <laughs> you can say that about a lot of franchises. They, like I know you're gonna react if you have a losing season because you've lived most of it. Like I, I, you're Oilers fans are not fair weather fans. No, Dodgers fans that are current Dodgers fans now, they might be. They just haven't gone through the tough times yet. I want to see what happens when y'all go through thirty and one thirty. What happens then? Are you I still going to be going to the, the Dodgers games and touting and putting on social media that you're there? Who knows? You don't know that yet. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point uh, to that. I think when you have fan base usually the worst fan bases are fan bases of like really really popular teams because you get more people so you have the greater chance of getting those absolute shitheads right like the guys that are going to throw beer on the field most fans a vast majority of yankees fans are fantastic people they're fantastic people they're fantastic fans they root for them for all the right reasons they're diehard yankees fans but you're right but when you have a mount of a fan base that's that big and as Trey mentioned, it's a different culture in, in New York than it is that kind of, than kind of what we're used to seeing West Coast sports, right? It's way different. It's much more brutal. Um, so you're going you're gonna to have a higher percentage of people that something, something like this is going to happen. Um, so kind of that's what you're saying. I think, you know, with my experience with, you know, Dodger fans, uh, since we brought it up, I think there definitely is those fans that are those diehard fans. And, you know, there's a period there, the late nineties and early two thousands, we were so bad. Like I remember when I was a kid growing up, we were terrible, you know, and only recently in the last like 10 years or so, we've really been a dominant uh, force in, in, in the league. So I know I personally had gone through those, those, those shitty years, um, but Yankees, they really haven't gone through a long period stretch of time where they've really been that bad. Uh, I think they missed the playoffs probably maybe a handful of times over the last like 30 years. Right. It, it's it, they're, they're, they're pretty competitive for the most part. But yeah, as far as what MLB should do, like, it's so tough because, like I said, it's such a small minority. But unfortunately, that's kind of how society goes. Like you kind of have to walk as slow as your, as your slowest walker. Um, it sucks for the, for the rest of them. But yeah, trade. I don't know. Like maybe they, they need to move this, that, 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 uh, those stands back. You hate to do that because as a fan, you love being up close, close to action. Like a hockey game, you love being up on the glass, right? It's so cool to be that close. Same with MLB. Like I've, I've gotten to sit at Dodger Stadium in the front row of those outfield seats. It's awesome. And I've chirped to players. I've, 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 I've talked to players before. I think, like I said, there's, there's that verbal chirping, that competitive kind of stuff. That's totally fine. That I think players and everyone can agree on, but the minute and it's so easy not to throw something on the field, right? It's, it's so easy not to do that, but people just do. And that whether it, it's just, it, it's a bad look. It's embarrassing for, for your Yankees fans. And there's probably Yankees fans listening to this podcast that, you know, we don't want to generalize for everybody, but I mean, that's just a bad, bad look. Um, so I hope Yankee Stadium and they just do something to kind of, you know, curb that a little bit. I don't know exactly what they can do, but it has been a pretty consistent thing uh, with Yankees fans. And I'm not saying they throw cans on the field every single time, but it's not the first time that that's happened. Um, 
So it, it's, it's, it's really unfortunate. So hopefully MLB and the Yankees and any other fan base that deals with that. I mean, just going on the, on the field of play for any sport is just not okay. You know, like I said, as James mentioned, it's like, how would you feel if some other person came into your place of work and just started, you know, interrupting your space or throwing shit at you? Like, that's just not okay. It's just flat out not okay. So hopefully they find the fans that do it, ban them for life, not just from being seen from all sporting events in America, period. Honestly, the world, if that was even possible. I don't think, I don't think it's possible, but if they could do it, that'd be great. Uh, so anyway, uh, we're going to move on to my final, uh, not only oh damn, but we're going to do another City Connect jersey. Uh, the Houston Astros debuted their City Connect jerseys last week. Uh, so I'm going to screen share uh, my screen here for you guys. And we're going to take a look at these Houston Astros City Connect jerseys. So there you go. Space City, as they say. Sometimes I kind of forget that the whole Houston Astros theme is like, you know, Houston. It's where NASA had a lot of, uh, uh, you know, their, their, their space program was kind of out of Houston for, for a, a long period of time. So that's kind of what it's built out of. Uh, so I, it's pretty, so that's kind of what the theme is here. Kind of that space font, uh, dark blue with the uh, kind of rainbow of the oranges, reds, and yellows there, uh, kind of a different hat. You see Jose Altuve here with the full getup. So we're going to go in as we usually do, and we're going to rate them. So uh, James, what do you got on these beauties? Okay, so this isn't terrible. Uh, when we had first talked about this, I was like, wow, this is childish. And that, like, I think Trayton said the same exact thing. Like, it looks like an eight-year-old did it for some competition, and they just end up choosing it. Uh, but I actually watched the Astros play against the Angels in these. And they, the more I looked at it, the more I was like, huh, that kind of reminds me of Tomorrowland and Space Mountain at Disneyland, like the font and everything, and even the numbers of it. Uh, it looks just like that. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized, like, yo, they, Houston is really like the NASA's thing. Like Houston, we have a problem. Like that's what you go to every single time. So I, I do like the ode to that. And if you scroll down to the socks, I love the way the socks had that fade from orange to yellow. That was that was a that was a huge thing for me. I love that fade and it goes through every single color up until the top there. So overall, honestly, I'm giving this a seven, three. Like I, at first I was like, this is like a two, but the more I looked at it and even watched him play in those unis, the more I, I came to appreciate it. And I like the fact that it's blue and orange, still an ode to the colors of the Astros, but the space city, I like the font of it. It's very much futuristic even the numbering is futuristic and it's, it's really, it's a good concept. I like it. Trading. Uh, I know we kind of previewed it a little bit. You mentioned you did not like these jerseys. Do you still agree now that you've seen them in full force or what do you got? Yeah, I, uh, I'm an idiot. These are actually pretty cool. These are actually pretty cool. Um, I hate, I, I mean, I, I, at first I was like, wow, it looks like they, they took, they, they took the kids like I, I, there was like a space uh, at space camp. They told all the kids, hey, we're whoever whoever makes the coolest jersey mock up is going to be the winner of like thousand dollars or something like that. And uh, that's what I thought at first. But then you really look at it and look, it, it really it, you're looking for a connection to your city. There you go. The, I mean, Houston is the space city. The, the logo on the hat, I think, is actually pretty cool. Um, Reminds me of Jimmy Neutron. <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah. It, it, it's it's very it, it, it's very spacey, and that's what Houston was known is known for. So uh, you know the, the font at first put me off, and then you thought think about it, and it's like yeah, it's it's that, that's the type of font you'd use in a to to refer to anything that is um, aeronautical. So 
Uh, I I actually like them. I'm going to give them a seven too. All right. Um, yeah, I would have to agree with a lot of you guys. Like we all know how much I hate the Houston Astros, but I do like these. I mean, I'm a I love space. I, I'm I'm all about space stuff. Um, I got I trade and I grew. I think the hat is the best part of this jersey. I love that hat with a little kind of orbit around the, the H, kind of like a, a planet orbiting a sun there. I think that's awesome. I love the font, Space City. Um, I don't love the colors, like I, but that's not really because it's orange. That, yeah, because the orange is orange. I mean, I the the I think the socks kind of look like those big stick popsicles you see it as a kid. Uh, that's kind of what it dude, that of. fade is so cool. The though. fade's sick, though. It's it's a cool fade. I don't love the socks, um, but I think everything else about it, I do really like. Like I said, I, I think the hat, I think another close-up of the hat, I'm not sure. Yeah, that logo oh, right wow. here, that that that's a great logo. Like that for me is, that is logo sick. by far the best part of this jersey. Um, so like, I'm going to kind of agree with you guys. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with this with a, I was actually going to give it a 7-3, so I'll just do the same as James does. Um, I'm going to go 7-3. I'm not going to be the There's guy one with the problem top though, Tyler. with the Houston Astros. Yeah. <laughs> There's one problem is fans like us, fans of baseball, can't buy this hat. Why is that? If you, if because you know it's somebody. a Houston Astros hat. You can't yeah. buy a Houston Astros hat. You're right. That's, I mean, I, I, would, I would never buy it. Like I said last time with, with Washington Astros, I would buy that hat. I would not buy this because it's the Houston Astros, and I would never adorn a Houston and, Astros. And that's unfortunate because that hat is sick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you replace that with, like, an L.A., and a little, it wouldn't make any sense at all, but, like, I would get it. <laughs> um, so, yeah. But, yeah, I, I, the, the hat is phenomenal. So, great, so here's great a real hat. question then, Tyler. Yeah. How long removed – how far removed do we need to be until it's okay to buy this hat? I mean, I, that's one of those things. It's there, there's there's a few select teams I would probably never ever wear their hats or jerseys or anything. The Houston Astros, I think for me, are in that group. I don't know. I mean, it's good. Like forever. I, I think forever for me because I, I like I said, I I think it's they they've solidified themselves as one of the most evil franchises to ever do anything. <laughs> and, it, and obviously, it came to a point against my. It, I'm, it's personal for me. Like it's not even just like oh like that team did a shitty thing against some other team. Like that, that was against my team in the world series, that whole cheating scandal went down. So that's, that's, that's fucking personal. Um, so I don't think I would ever adorn any Houston Astros anything. Um, but I will give them credit, non-biased credit. I do think the hats dope. But I overall, the, the whole space city theme is theme is very, very cool. It does. Like I said, it, it connects to the city, which is the kind of the whole point of these jerseys. Some of them have done a great job. I think so far the first two we've seen this year have done a much better job of that than last year. I think last year's a very hit and miss. I think so far the ones we've seen this year have been really, really consistent and good. So James, um, what, what about you? Same question that I asked Tyler. Uh, I mean, like I, I don't have the same hate for the Astros as <laughs> Tyler does, obviously. And the only reason why I don't like them is because they are in the same division as the angels and they usually have the angels number and beat them every single time, yeah. except for recently, which is cool. So, I mean, like, honestly, I'd buy a hat tomorrow if I could. <laughs> same. Cool. I like it. I would I would not say the same thing, but uh, like I said, I, I I do appreciate the design. I think I think it is very very cool. So um, yeah, so that so overall, we all kind of agreed around the same numbers. Uh, Trading gave it a seven two. James and I gave it both a seven three. Um, like I said, we're gonna we're gonna keep these numbers up. We're gonna work on once we get to the end of the season, we'll see who the twenty twenty two champion is, and then we'll compare that to the last year's champion and see who's the ultimate reigning champ. I think the reigning champion, I believe, are the Diamondbacks. I think I said it last time. So the Diamondbacks. Yes, sir. Won last year. The Serpientes. 
Uh, so we'll see if any of these this year can beat that. I think the Nationals actually might have beaten them slightly, but I haven't I done so the math too. yet. Uh, but just kind of guessing on the numbers, it kind of looks that way. Uh, but anyway, we'll get to that when we get to that. But yeah, that's all I got for MLB this week. Thank you very much, Tyler. That was fun um, to talk about that. Um, and I look forward to I look forward to your dam, your Odams every uh, every week. You you bring I don't know where you find all the the crazy stories. I find it very tough to find like my own in the NHL realm. So I, I, I appreciate that you're so good at it. Maybe I need to pick your brain on how you do it, but Thanks, man. Um, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to finish the podcast up with the, uh, with some NHL talk. We have two teams. We're going to talk about that have been eliminated or have a 0.1% chance of being eliminated. No longer 10%. It is, it is now 0.1%. It, it, is, it is, it is just a, it is just a wait now. Um, we would talk about another team and maybe we'll just discuss them, but, um, but we'll, we'll, we'll couch that for now when we come back. And we're back. We're going to talk about two more teams that have been eliminated from the NHL playoffs. We would be talking about three, but one one of the teams that we probably will discuss at the very end have a 15% chance, so they're still kind of in it. Tomorrow's game, and we'll talk about this, is huge, um, and we'll talk about that. But for now, we're going to talk about the Winnipeg Jets who have been eliminated from playoff contention. Um, look, the, the Winnipeg Jets are still dealing with the loss of Dustin Bufflin those years ago. I mean, they just don't have a def- defense core anymore, and it is a, it is a huge problem. The penalty kill was, was atrocious. Uh, it was 30th in the NHL with 74.3%. That's fit. And they allowed 56 power play goals tied for fourth most in the NHL. That's just God awful. Um, and they never really improved. And, you know, besides goaltending, you're you, having, having a good defensive core is what helps you kill penalties. And they just don't have it. They do have the goaltending, but he can only do so much. Um, uh, you know, a lot of people were surprised by the Winnipeg Jets. A lot of people, especially in Canada, pegged um, the Winnipeg Jets as the best team in Canada. Um, and that just didn't, didn't happen. Uh, they were, they were dead, dead wrong. Um, unfortunately it's the Toronto Maple Leafs this year or the Calgary flames, depending on how you look at it. Um, so I guess I want to start with you, James. Um, what, you know, going into next season, you, we, we've kind of talked about this. You, you, you kind of think that they need to, you know, blow up some players, maybe blow up this, this roster a little bit. Um, is there anybody that you think could be safe from a bit of a teardown? So I was, I take back what I said earlier about them uh, having to tear everything down because they have the bones and the structure of a great NHL team. Like on paper, like most people in Canada thought this team was going to be it. Like they were going to be a great team from head to toe. But as you had mentioned, defense is kind of their Achilles heel. Uh, That being said, to answer your question, there are a bunch of people you can keep. Kyle Connor, oh my God, what a revelation. (laughs) 25 years old, 89 points. It's really hard to get better than that, unless you're an Oiler, because uh, they do that often. Mark Scheifele, also great, or Scheifele, Mark Scheifele, I should say. Scheifele. 70 points, 28 years of age. And Pierre-Luc Dubois, I know he's a free agent. I think he's unrestricted. I'm not sure. Uh, 58 points, 23 years of age. Keep those three, and you're going to have offense for years and years and years to come. But it's, as much as it pains me to say, I'm sorry, Winnipeg, but you got to let go of Paul Stats and Blake Wheeler. They are, they were like the cornerstones. They were what the foundation of your team for so long. 
but at this point in time at 36 and 35, it's, it's going to be really hard to build around them right now. And Statsny is typically a left wing, but he fills in at center a bunch. He's not built at his age to be a good NHL center, center right now. I'm sorry, man. Like, it's, it's not happening. You're getting older. You're not as physical as you used to be. Your passing isn't as good as it used to be either. And it's hurting the team a little bit. So if you can make room with somebody younger and faster, which this game is evolving to, it's evolving to more faster type players. That's going to help this team go very far. And if you tr- trade with Blake Wheeler, because Blake Wheeler still has a decent amount of trade value. Like he didn't just fall off. Like he's, he's doing pretty, pretty good. If you can find a decent, I don't know, top six defenseman out of there to help this defense a little bit, that'd be awesome. That's going to help you and Connor Hellebuck go very far. This team isn't that far out from a playoff spot. Really, they're really not. Given how long it takes for them to get eliminated, like there's three or four games left in the season, like they just got eliminated now. Cool. If, if, if a few more pucks go their way, they might be into that wild card. But honestly, they got the core to be really good. So just just make some make a few adjustments here there. Yeah, I like that. Um, I have to say, um, the, the 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 chemistry between center Pierre Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor, as you mentioned, James was it was spectacular. Um, Kyle Connor had had a career best offensively offensive game uh, season and Pierre Luc Dubois had a nice rebound and he's playing that power two way, two way type of game that, that he is known for. And then when you compare that with a, with a guy that broke out in Kyle Connor, that that's a good matchup. That's a good, that's a good line right there in, in the making. Um, Tyler, I want to ask you, first of all, before I get there, James, um, I, 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 instead of a top six defenseman, this, these guys need a top one or two. That's oh, wow. what they're that, that they they. It's gonna be hard to get that for Blake Wheeler though. Sorry, it's gonna be hard to trade away Wheeler and get a top for, one. For sure, defenseman. no, it is it is for sure. But the, but the, you know when your best defenseman's Nate Schmidt, that's a problem. Or Josh Morrissey, that's a problem. Neil Pionk's great middle defenseman. I just he's not a, he's not he's not there yet. Um, and you need someone that is is there. And 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 you see what happens when teams don't have that defenseman. It's it, it's a huge hole. Um, I'm not. I'm not expecting you to br- bring in a Victor Hedman or a Cam Carr. I mean, that's just not going to happen. But you need to have someone who can eat minutes at the and and be able to hold his own. So I'm going to say number one or two. Um, Josh Morrissey was great, but I think they need a little bit more um, to help him out. Uh, Tyler, I want to ask you, in your eyes, how far away is this team, and what do you think their biggest strength is? I mean, you got to look at their goaltending, right? I mean, he's 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 one of the best there. You got you got that star goaltender, and that's huge. As I, I think we mentioned last week, how rare it is to have that that goaltender that's really really elite. We got that, and then like I said, we got a bunch of young forwards that are that are very very good. They're very very talented. Um, I think this team, as James mentioned, they're they're right there. They just need to add a few more pieces. It's going to be an interesting offseason, and I think Dubois is one of the names going in the offseason that's going to be the guy to watch to see kind of where this team's headed. So I believe he is a restricted free agent, so there's rules and shit to that that are complicated, but will they try and extend this guy, or will they try to trade him away? That right there is going to tell you. And then with their current GM, I think they would want to probably kind of stick with what they got, but will they get rid of their GM? If they get rid of their GM, that's going to create a whole other thing that whether they're going to blow it up, they're going to restart, who knows what's going to happen. Um, so it's, it's going to be a really interesting offseason. I could see it going one of two ways. Um, so, like I said, I think like I said, I'm not a GM. I don't get paid GMEM, but I think this Jets team is very, very talented. They're very good. They should keep moving forward. In, in my opinion, they've got so much good young talent. Just figure a way to sign them long, long term. And they're right there. 
I mean, they, they, they've proven that this, most of these kind of core guys can be a successful competitive playoff contending team. So just keep going. Sometimes you just have shitty years. Think things don't go your way. Um, but like I said, I, 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 I think Dubois is the key piece there. I think whatever they do with him is really going to tell you what the Jets plans are for the future. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I think that you're, I think you're right there. I mean, Connor, Connor Hallibuck is, is their, is their, is their past, present and future at this point. Um, and, and it all starts from there. Right. And um, James, to your point on moving Blake Wheeler, the good thing is, is he does have, he has a modified no clause, which is no move clause, which is bad, but starting next year, starting this upcoming season, he, he can submit a five team trade list. So he can get moved um you know in his last two years so i i mean that that could be anybody i mean he's probably gonna want to go to a contender which is it's always tough to to be able to <laughs> trade to a contender meaning you're gonna get you may get a first round pick for him or something but it's gonna be a low end pick anyway so who really knows what you're gonna do with him but um you could get something i don't know if you're gonna get a one or two defensemen you might get a you might get a middle grade defenseman just to help bolster it but um he can be moved theoretically and to get 8.25 off of your off of your books, I think that that would be a, a, a prudent move um, for and, and and give the captain to to someone else. Um, and I wonder what Mark, what they're going to do with Mark Shifley. I mean, I know he had a, I know he had a good season offensively, but I know that he he just seems like he's kind of lost his. Um, he's had some issues with with finding it with especially in the eyes of the fans. So um, not that that not that the fans necessarily matter, but they matter a little bit. So uh, we'll we'll see what happens with the Winnipeg Jets. I think they are a good team at, at the root of it. They just need to find some defense because that because losing Dustin Bufflin those those few years ago, they have been in a tailspin ever since. Um, and we're going to also talk about the Vancouver Canucks. The Vancouver Canucks are technically still able to make the playoffs. They have a 0.1% chance. Here's how they can make it. Um, stick with me, guys, because it's a little bit of a it's, a it's a little bit crazy. The Canucks have to win all of their three games. Dallas has to not gain a single point in their last three games and Vegas can only win one of their four games. And that happens to be against the Dallas stars. If all of that happens and then Vegas loses the rest, then the Canucks make it in. It's absolutely insane. It's, it's not going to happen. Um, that's why we're going to talk about them. Um, but Hey, it, they, they definitely made it close. Uh, and uh, you know, ever since Bruce Boudreaux came into the, came into the um, team as, as the bench boss, they went 30, 15, and nine after going eight, 15, and two under Travis Green. Um, the best part to me, guys, about this team is the, the, resurg- the resurgence of JT Miller. JT Miller might actually get 100 points this season, which is unheard of. Um, w- w- what, an, what an unbelievable season. He's, he's well ahead of the next best player, who is Elias Pedersen. But the best part, and James, I think you can attest to this. We saw Elias Pettersson kind of resurge towards the last half, or at least towards the last half as soon as Bruce came in. And I'm not sure if he was nursing an injury. I don't know if it's Bruce just letting, just letting him, his, his infectious, um, um, you know, coaching style kind of, kind of reverberate throughout the team. But what are your thoughts on the Canucks going into the off season? And uh, are you going to, do you think that we'll see them in the playoffs come next season? Oh, absolutely. It's the same question. Uh, I mean, on, they almost made the playoffs having such a terrible start to the season and only really turning it around in January. Uh, to speak to your first point about Elias Patterson having an upstart or starting to get hot towards what after Bruce Boudreau came into play. Uh, there's been a lot of reports that I've read that said that Bruce Boudreau gave a lot more responsibility to the young guys and letting the young guys 
kind of determine where this team heads. And Elias Pedersen and uh, I think Quinn Hughes is also one of them. They're also like, they took that and they ran with it. They realized that the future of the team is theirs because they are the cornerstones of this team. They're so young and so talented that the team is going to build around them for the rest of their career. And so you might as well start to build a culture now. And once they realized that, they started taking off. And these two are going to be phenomenal. Like JT Motors, also great. There's really not much else that they need to change, to be honest with you. Like what? They've been great since January. Keep it at that. Thatcher Demko, he, he is a decent goalie that you could build off of. And uh, typically when you have, when you're trying to make a push, like you're going to want somebody who is decent back there and they already have that. So what else can you add? You add depth, add some depth on there. And this team is going to be scary to deal with. And they're going to play in the Pacific and they're going to take that third spot often. I like it. Um, the, the, the issue, I mean, not, not really the issue, but, once Bruce came in, obviously they, they turned things around, but they were still, they still only had the 13th best record in the NHL, which means they're, they're a few years away from actually contending maybe a couple years, but I think that a 13th best is, is where Edmonton is right now. So that gives you, that gives you a playoff spot. Edmonton's in a, in a, in the 13th spot. They're in a playoff spot. There you go. Um, so, you know, I, I think it was really great to see, to see, um, you know, you, you mentioned that Bruce Brudrow really gave a lot of, a, a, a lot of autonomy to the young kids kind of gave them the, the power to, to, to turn this team around. And you see that with a coach that is on his way, that, that is losing the team that is having a rough time. And that's, that is losing the locker room is that they, they tend to not really care about the young guys because they don't trust them. And, and they're just getting the veterans out there because they think that that's their best chance of winning the next game. Because when you're at the point where if I lose this game, I'm, I'm, I'm done they 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 tend to kind of look inward a little bit and don't and don't give the the right you know i guess attention to the young guys bruce came in with a one-year contract and he's like fuck it i'm gonna do it the way i'm gonna do it i'm gonna give these kids the the ability to to show me what they can do and elias did um we had a lot i had a lot of question marks about elias Pettersson going into uh, at this start of the season i've mentioned that and he's he's turned it around i mean 66 points in 77 games considering his 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 start is really fucking good guys he was really bad early and he turned it really turned it around so that is very impressive um tyler i want to ask you i mean there was like maybe two or three weeks ago we heard that the canucks weren't necessarily sure if they were going to extend bruce boudreau is it insane to think that bruce boudreau wouldn't be the coach come next season it would be insane i mean you looked at what this guy has done for this team completely turned this team around you would be in the Vancouver Canucks would be dumb if they did not bring this guy back. I mean, and it's not just with the, with the success of this season, but with his success as a coach in his whole career, I mean, he's been a very successful coach for a very long time. He knows what he's doing. They got pretty lucky that that guy was just available to pick up. And now he's part of this team. So you got to lock that guy down. I don't see another option that's really better than him. Um, unless, unless they see something that we don't. Um, but yeah, I, I think it would be an insanely dumb move for them not to keep Boudreaux. I think he's done a fantastic job there in Vancouver. He's done a fantastic job with a lot of teams in his career. He's, he, he's a winner. I and mean, I think you you got to keep that mo- 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 momentum because where this team was before him was not going in a good direction. And he completely flipped that 180. So you got to keep him on. Yeah. I mean, he, I mean, you hear from all the players he and you see it in his, in his interviews. He's such a positive, infectious, infectious, uh, you know, person that, 
that 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 just is 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 huge for your young guys um you know especially the young guys and even the and even the the aging core you know the the veterans who who are just looking for a way to kind of get out of this nightmare of a season and they made it they, they they took it to the end and unfortunately the schedule was was against them and they lost too many games but i want to tip my hat to the the, the um, vancouver canucks because i i think that they did quite a damn good job um with all things considered but um so great season and it actually you know i, I guess you guys can probably attest to this we all we all are all of our favorite teams are in the pacific and now we're going to have to deal with the canucks too i mean the pacific is not a strong division i understand that but it's definitely up and coming. I mean, we have the Kings that had a stellar season. I think that the the Ducks in a couple of years are going to be a formidable force. Um, the Canucks have a young core that is that is that is going to start looking good, and the Edmonton Oilers are just starting to you know really find their groove. I, I think the Pacific has a chance to be mighty in a few years, and maybe I'm wrong, but that's that's my uh, that's my two cents there. But I'm um, talking to to finish out. I want to talk about the current standings. Okay, so. As it stands now, assuming uh, assuming that the uh, the Vancouver Canucks are out, we have three teams that have still yet to. Uh, well, I guess, sorry, Tyler, we have four teams that have still yet to clinch a playoff spot. But you give it a win, um, and win tomorrow, and or even a point, and you'll be fine. A point in the next um, three games for you, Tyler, you're in the playoffs. I don't think that you're going to have an issue with that. So let's just assume you've clinched. Okay, they have three teams that still have yet to clinch. That is the currently that is the national predators and the Dallas stars who are currently in the wild card spot. And then we who wild card spots and we have Vegas, the Vegas golden Knights on the outside looking in all of these teams have equal points. I'm sorry, uh, Vegas equal games. Vegas has 90 points. Dallas has 93 and Nashville is 94. Most points the Vegas can get right now is 96. Okay. James, how do we feel about Vegas? Here's here's their here's their uh, their schedule. They play the the Dallas Stars tomorrow. If they lose that game in regulation, season's over. They're done. We know exactly who's going to the playoffs. If they win in regulation, it's a little bit different. Um, and then they then they finish the season with, against the Blackhawks. Obviously, they would still need the Dallas Stars to lose a few games uh, or lo- lose their last game against you guys. You guys could be their their biggest spoiler. Uh, but I just want your thoughts. Is Vegas going to make the playoffs? No, no, they're, they're not. It's, it's simple because they don't have a great goalie back there right now. Robin Leonard is out for the season, correct, with the knee injury? Uh, that is a very, very in- interesting story because he backed up last night. He backed up. Yeah, he did. That was weird because and... when they scored that goal on him, I watched him go on the ice. And I was like, I yeah. thought he was done. But yeah, that's in, the thing. I, I mean, he said that he's done because he was pissed because he's injured, uh, allegedly. I mean, I'm not going to say he's not because that's kind of fucked up, but that's what he says. But then he gets pissed because he got pulled after one. This is two games ago. He got pulled after one one uh, goal against after 13 facing 13 shots. And he was pissed off at that. And he said, fuck this. I'm going to go get season ended surgery. Fuck you guys. The drama in Vegas never ends. But so, James, I don't know if he's done. <laughs> he said he's done. But I think that they're just like, dude, we need you for this last push. Anyway, what else did you have to say? That you're going to exactly my point drama and an unhappy locker room is not conducive to winning they're not going to win i'm sorry it's just there's too much too many differences they're not on the same page the dallas stars have been for a while the national predators have been for a while these are two teams who are fighting it out as a team as opposed to individuals in vegas in an unhappy locker room when push comes to shove and you're going down the wire chemistry and locker room presence is what puts you over the edge yeah so that nashville dallas 
you all go on to playoffs. Yeah, I, I like to think that Dallas is gonna is gonna end this, and we can we can figure out who's gonna who's it gonna be tomorrow. And but Tyler, I want to ask you. I mean, you and I have been kind of the apologists of the Vegas Golden Knights this whole the last two years on this podcast. I am starting to rethink my stance with Vegas. I mean, look, Vegas has been extremely aggressive. Their management their management team is aggressive. Their ownership team is aggressive. They want a cup, and it's it's meant burning bridge after bridge after bridge and now we're starting to see it unravel what are your thoughts about the golden knights do you think that they've maybe been a little bit too aggressive and do you think things are going to change next season or do you think things are going to change in the fact that we might see coaches we might see managers we might see a whole bunch of fucking people just fired because they didn't even make the playoffs the kingdom in vegas is crumbling ladies and gentlemen and it's going to come down pretty hard i think it's going to start was as, as tomorrow i think they're going to lose tomorrow they're going to officially be eliminated from the playoffs and shit's going to hit the fan for starting from there. Like, as I said, they were the outlier with this expansion. Uh, they made an incredible run. Their, their first years of franchise. They've been uh, incredibly competitive. Their first, what, three or four years of existence, as you said, with a cost, with ruthless GMing, with ruthless relationships with, 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 with players, coaches, I'm sure there's other things going on there um, that, you see, you're seeing it kind of crumble now. And I think there was never really a solid foundation. It's hard to build a foundation when you just start. Um, especially if you're gonna, if you're gonna try and go for it that big, that quickly, it's going to come at a cost. And that's that really not building any kind of culture. Right. Um, I don't think they have that. And I think they're going to have to take a lot of years to kind of build that back up again. Um, I don't see the biggest golden Knights, uh, being the playoff team for a long time to come. Um, like I said, it, it could be dramatic. And as, we, as you mentioned a little bit earlier, this specific division next year could be really, really good. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks, I think we all agree, are going to get a lot better. The, the, the Kings are going to be better next year. The, the, the Ducks and Sharks are working their way back up. Um, and obviously Calgary and, and, and Edmonton as well. Um, it's, it's not going to be easy division. And I, some team is going to start falling down. I think it's going to be Vegas. Um, I, really, I don't like where this team is headed. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just see this going very, 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 very badly in Vegas. I just, I don't see there's there's any kind of conducive direction of where they're going. They 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 burnt out their their flame to kind of start this this, this initial spark of this franchise, and it's going to die, and it's going to take a long time to kind of reignite that. Um, kind of, they're probably going to be on the same level now as Seattle. You know, I kind of think they're coming back. Whoa. It's going to take them a long time. To build like not as much as far as like the losses that Seattle has, but in terms of like them building something that matters, something something that's going to mean something, something that's really going to be consistent. It's going to take them a long time. Yeah, I mean, look, it, by my eyes, if if you piss Robin Leonard off and he wants out, they're done. <laughs> I mean, because yeah. I, I still I still am perplexed by the fact that they chose. Leonard over Mark Andre Fleury. I, I still think that that's absurd, but that was that's just me. I know that at the time it seemed like a smart move, but I I thought in the long run it would be a problem, and sure enough, it was. Um, I I I like that they still. I mean, the leadership in Mark Stone's there. Alex Petrangelo, it's there. They have the leadership. I'm not. I don't have any issues with leadership. Um, I don't know what I what to think about Jack Eichel. I kind of give him a pass because he just came off that 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 surgery, um, and he still played decent. He, I mean, he didn't move the needle huge, but again, he just came off surgery. The, the team was very injured. This what this had, the, these guys had the most man, man games lost be, to injury, which is a problem, but 
to James's point, I think that there's just too much drama going on. And I think that that's going to kind of slip into slip, um, you know, slip into the upcoming seasons. And, and I don't know where they're going to be. Um, Seattle did it right. This is how you do it. You take, you take a bunch of guys that, you know, in an expansion draft, probably a lot of UFAs that are, or, or high end, high end UFAs that, you know, would otherwise not be able to be signed on their teams. You take them at the trade deadline and every first year, you sell them back to their teams, take a bunch of picks. And that's your second year is their first real year of rebuilding. That's the way you do it. And I think, and I, and I like the way Seattle's doing it. No, are, are they as sexy as Vegas right now? Absolutely not. But are they going to be damn sexy in, in three or four years? I really tend to agree. Um, Seattle's a great place to live. Um, they treat their people right so far. And, um, and I think that players may think twice about now going to Vegas, considering you're never safe. Jack Eichel's not even fucking safe, guys. We could see fucking Jack Eichel traded. I, the reason that seems, I know that seems insane, but we've seen it we've seen it happen and who knows if, if, if vegas is like you know what you weren't good enough fuck you we're getting you out of here it could happen i mean i'm not saying it will i mean it seems insane but don't don't i'm not gonna um i'm not gonna say that it won't because <laughs> vegas is is enigmatic at at best and insane at worst so um that is all i have for the nhl this uh this year uh for the regular season we're done talking about the regular season next week we're gonna go through eight matchups. They're going to be quick guys. We aren't, I'm not going to take an hour and a half to talk about them. They're going to be boom, 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 quick. We, you know, once, once we kind of get through the, um, you know, get rid of some of these uh, matchups, we'll be able to talk a lot, um, talk a little bit deeper, but um, be ready guys, because the playoffs are, are upon us. Um, we are just seeing who's going to be jockeying for position. And by next week, by Monday, we will see the first games for of the 2022 playoffs um, for the NHL. And I am damn excited, but until then, that is um, that is the um, the uh, the podcast for this week. Um, enjoy enjoy this week's um, sports. We have the draft on Thursday for the NFL. We have probably the most important game of Vegas and Dallas's lives tomorrow. Please tune in for that. That is going to be very very dramatic and fun. Um, I I have to I have to think. Um, I think the entire hockey world is cheering for Dallas at this point. <laughs> um, and 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 I'm one of them. And I am one of them. Um, surprisingly. Um, and so, uh, but we also have MLB, we have NBA that is really ramping up and it's very fun to watch. Um, we hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Please let us know what you guys think about us and you know, what? chirp us a little bit. We want, we want, we like to be, we like to engage with you. I know that I already got chirped on the MLB, um, power rankings already this season, not surprised. Um, so it is what it is. Um, I'm an just, idiot. I understand that. Don't throw beer cans at us on the street. Yeah. Right? Just don't, as long as you don't throw beer, as long cans, as it's full, if it's full, I'll oh, take yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pull yeah. one at me. That's I'll, a good point. I'll take a little bruise on the on the yeah. shoulder. That's to... a good point. Yeah. As long as it's a you know, even if it's not cold. No, actually, if it's cold, it needs to be cold. Like yeah. just don't throw it if it's if it's I mean if it's warm, I'll just shotgun it real fast for you. That's cool too. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. Um Yummy. look, we, we we love you guys. <laughs> we we really hope you guys enjoyed this week. Um we're just around the corner from hundred. Um next week, it's gonna be a good week, guys. Um enjoy this week and um have a great week.